Now, Christianity has its 13th apostle, a faithful witness to the love, mercy, and truth of Jesus Christ. How about you? Will you be the 13th apostle? Were the pagans of ancient Rome more aware of God's presence than today's Christians? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the 13th Apostle, where we explore the good, the beautiful, and the true of the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. This is Tom Caffrey with my co-host and friend, Dan Duddy. What do you think about that uh, intro, Dan? Yeah, I mean, it's you're alluding to a, a, an article written by Micah. Kyle or Kiel, K I E L. Very interesting how he uh, he brought us to actually learning quite a bit from our pagan brothers and sisters, the pagans, mm-hmm. uh, where they saw God everywhere, false gods, but but nonetheless that they saw God with a small G, you know, everywhere, and how that leads to our discussion today on the real presence, which I I know we'll let you kick that off a little bit more, but. I found it quite interesting. At first, I took a little offense to it, but then as the article unfolded and wrapped up near the end, I, I began to uh, understand where he was coming from. But yeah, I mean, uh, man, we could talk about the real presence, Tom, right, from a thousand different directions, and everyone would have something different and deeply personal to say about the real presence. And I, I think that's the main, that's the absolute deepest truth about the real presence is that it's so deeply personal to us as long as we are allow ourselves to become personal with christ in the real presence it's almost impossible to put the feelings in words because there's there's such a magnificent being life in the real presence that's hard to articulate so it's interesting that you would say what you just did and uh, emphasizing the deeply personal but prior to that, you mentioned that we all come at it in our own individual ways. And so I, I took something similar, but something also very different from the article. And, but I remember when we were first talking about this article, when I proposed it to you, you and I had given you the source of it, which is the Na- National Catholic Reporter, you know, another NCR, uh, I'm sure most people listening are more familiar with uh, and enjoy more National Catholic Register because, you know, this is the age where, you know, you divide, there's dividing lines, right and left, conservative, liberal, uh, faithful Catholic, faithless Catholics. And I was that way for many years until I started the theology program. And then I was, uh, when I look back at so much writing uh, by people throughout the 2,000 years of our church history and, well, our Judeo-Christian is, you know, 3,500, 4,000 years, uh, I couldn't think that way anymore. And uh, I know you were concerned, you were expressed to, you didn't say concern, you made a comment about, with it being the reporter, the National Catholic Reporter, that you used the word liberal. And uh, you're you're right in in many respects. I mean, you if you took uh, I say if you look back over twenty twenty three and you picked fifty articles, 
you do, I can't see how anybody could conclude that that the reporter is not left of center and that the register in the same time period is right of center. But this article is, a, uh, and I love the way you described it, you were a little hesitant and put off a little bit by uh, at the beginning, as was I with one point when he made a reference to he spelled God with a capital G O D. Yeah. But prior yeah, to so. that, he used the word polytheism, and yeah. you know, so it's like, okay, well, the G O D with a capital G is contrary to the G O D S, all lowercase, of the polytheism. But you know, he made the point that many of them, which we know from church history, would be, would ultimately become Christian. And it, as I read further, it made me think of the conversation that you and I had with Dr. Larry Chapp um, about his book, uh, Conversion of a Catholic Worker, when thinking about the pagan world and what it was like for early Christians to evangelize and then help them in their conversion to Christianity, that they had a mindset and they were in an, an, of a culture of transcendence. You know, of, uh, you know, they saw, okay, so they saw the deity, they saw a God in the thunderclaps, in the birth of a child, you know, and it could be a different God depending on whether the child was healthy or not, you know, born healthy or not. They saw a God in disease, in death, in war, in joy, in sex. They all had their deities for all these things, but it was a mindset and again, a culture, which is what uh, Kyle uh, refers to in his article, that they saw God everywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I and I think Kyle is giving them, and, and as you're speaking in the in the spirit of two by two here, things are even more deeply unfolding. I think Kyle is giving them uh, credit because of his love for God with a capital G and and creation itself. There is only one true God, and that these pagans perhaps were absolutely seeing God with a capital G and everything without having really known that uh-huh. it, yeah and hence the conversion and thence them saying well we got something for you because we've been seeing him in everything now listen to us and and brought that wonderful broad scope of god being everywhere to us and how often do we get we get so much i mean larry chap you brought him up he, he's a convert himself i believe right the, mm. the conversion stories so many conversion stories come from the attraction to the real presence I mean, our, our converts, our beloved converts become so intrigued by the real presence and the fact that we have adoration chapels, and perpetual adoration chapels, and we believe in the presence, we believe in God's word. The audacity that our Lord said, you know, eat my flesh, you know, Bishop Strickland said, we need to come back to being audacious Christians. Our Lord was had the audacity to say things with great risk, not risk to him because it's the truth, but it's not a risky to us. I mean, some people walked away from him. We said, until you eat my flesh, I'm paraphrasing. But we need to give back to him an audacious faith for saying what he said. This is my body. Eat this. This is my blood. He didn't say this is symbolic of my body. This is symbolic of my blood. He said this is. And we as Catholics need to come back with the same audacity of faith and get into the silence, 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 listen, 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 and personalize, deeply personalize the real presence. Don't think too much. (laughs) Don't think that. You don't like the University of Jerusalem. I know that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And again, you, you 
added even more emphasis to your earlier comment about the personalization of this. And that's where you and I diverge uh, a bit, uh, although maybe more in the conversation than in what we actually do. Because as the author of the article emphasizes, is that we're not going to evangelize if we just keep it personal. And of course, that's not what we're supposed to do. We are, we, we are uh, you know, we're a pilgrim faith, we're an evangelizing faith. We, we can't just, you know, go to the Adoration Chapel, or go, to, uh, uh, go to Mass, be in our private prayers, maybe meditation, but then not be in the world. We, get, exactly. we have to go. We have to go out into the world. We have to share. We have to share this, and we have to try to to help people experience, you know, so understand not just with the head but with the heart that there is this world of mystery. Everybody loves mystery. Or most people love mysteries, you know. And and what's behind that? And and of course, we say behind that. What we're really saying is what transcends that thing. Mm-hmm. That we seem like, okay, we've had this sense of something, or maybe somebody's shown us something, we've, something's been revealed to us, but we have this sense that something, we don't fully understand it, so we know there's more, and that more is the that mystery, the thing that we want to find out, we have to go beyond, and that's what, that's what, I think to intrigue people, you like to use that word intrigue, to uh, have people sense that there's something very important here you know it, and you've worked to convey this. Now they want to know what. What do you know? But they got to see it in you. So they got to see it in Dan. Okay, Dan's living a certain way, and am I intrigued by that way, or am I put off by that way? Okay, well, if it's put off, then there's going to be no evangelization. Um, but if we make it where it's it's interesting, this is why I live this way. But remember now, so if we contrast the pagan culture back then, the scientific materialism to today, you know, we're all a bunch of atoms, you know, and, and uh, that's A-T-O-M, uh, our friends, right. friends, um, you know, a lot of this began with the European Enlightenment, uh, the French Revolution, uh, and on, and that's what's a lot, a lot of what we experience today is based on what came out of the Enlightenment and no transcendence it's all material this is all whatever i can experience with my senses is all there is you know which is why you can change in your mind you can change your sex you know it's the ultimate uh insanity of of where we are today so it's kind of like okay now this is a different uh, this is a different paganism Absolutely. And in your mind, changing your sex is kind of like intellectual, like gluttony. You know what I mean? It just becomes so um, engorged with your own self. And then all of a sudden you're changing your sex. I was listening to uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen today, hearing what he had to say about the Eucharist. And he was talking about body, mind and soul, kind of using analogies of body must be nourished. The mind must be nourished, you know, with perhaps reading or whatever intellectual stimulus, you know, whatever tickles your mind. But the only way to nourish the soul is through divinity. It, it can only be divinely nourished, and that's that's where the Eucharist comes in. And what I, what I also like what Micah Kyle said. Firstly, what rubbed me the kind of the wrong way was he said. First, you must you must know that God is everywhere in the world if you're ever going to believe in the presence. But Tom, the fact is, 
I oftentimes have to go into the adoration chapel because I feel desperate about the world because I'm not seeing him. So him with a capital H. So I go to the adoration chapel. I go, there you are. And then I go back outside and then I see him again. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, I'm in reverse, different from Kyle in that area. Well, wait, so what what are you talking about? You're talking about somebody who on your way to the church for the adoration chapel, somebody cut you off, maybe flipped you the bird. Or somebody, you've, you've got news about somebody who was just yeah, disrespecting somebody in your family, or which it wasn't exactly. good, and you don't yeah. see Christ in that person who flipped you off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thousand different reasons, and you were, you were starting to name a bunch. Yeah. And it gets to the point where I've got to go see my Lord eye to eye, and I, I get in front of the monstrance, and this, this glow, this feeling of peace comes to me, this reassurance, this hope, this strength. And desire to get my feet moving again. That's what's so hugely important about the Eucharist. I heard a Protestant say one time, if you believe in the presence in the Adoration Chapel, Dan, why would you ever leave the Adoration Chapel? And and my response, you know, at first I was like, I I don't know. But my response should have been that's in my heart that's not that's huh? not unfamiliar what you just said but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but but our, our lord himself never stopped moving his feet tom you got to move your feet and the eucharist is inward and outward we've got to walk the eucharist you just said that before and i'm like tapping my feet saying yeah man you're nailing it christ moved his feet and my eucharistic prayer once again simple fundamental i know i use that word a lot is take my heart and give me yours and when I shut up and listen, and I start that warm feeling, get that warm feeling of Christ always in me, but I'm just listening now. I start to move my feet. I start to move it with a peace and with a with a certain you know, level of strength. So you got to know it, and then you got to live it, and you live it by walking it. And that's what you were saying before. That's where evangelization takes place. And then if we have the strength and we've got the will, we find ourselves out on the peripheries. And what put us there? Communion with Christ, the living bread, the Eucharist. So the real presence meter in us kind of needs to be charged, especially to live those difficult parts of the gospel, which we've talked about many times, and we will, because it's so difficult to live, where you got to love your enemies. you got to love those who persecute you. You know, you gotta, you got to turn the other cheek. And it's so easy. We know we're like this. We know people like this. I'm, never turn, I'm not turning my cheek. I'm not giving no. any ground. I, I can't forgive that person. And it's so, speaking of Larry Chap again, you know, that's one of the things I said to him. I said, you know, why would anybody, especially young people, why would they want to join this, in their minds, this cult uh, or this organization that's so, yeah. that has so much corruption in it because it's made of human beings? And yeah. if you can't see, if you see, okay, you go to the Adoration Chapel, you see, the, you see that host, that wafer, and you believe that jesus is there but you don't you go out of that chapel and you don't see jesus in the person who's got boils on him or who's just is peeing on himself you know, the the people i see on eighth uh, avenue new york every week uh, transsexuals you know we see uh, the transsexual, yeah. everybody uh, all these people that are not in our circle that make us uncomfortable because you're talking about that warm, cozy feeling from the from the adoration chapel. Right. But then we go out. It's rare to have those warm, cozy feelings, which is why if you're relying, ladies and gentlemen, on those warm, cozy feelings, you're you're not going to be much of an evangelist because this is a tough life. It's a tough world, and it's because, well, not not just people, but I mean, an earthquake doesn't betray us, even though we can lose everything. But people betray us. Both cause suffering. 
one is more than yeah. the other. And mm-hmm. you and I were talking before we got on the air about uh, somebody with whom I had an experience not that long ago who uh, was part of something, but then left this something because uh, the, 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 the people in the nearby people weren't his type. We've all done that. I've done that. You know, you hung around, maybe in high school or college, you hung around guys who were like you. And, and that's important. I mean, that's how you build a team. But now we're talking about, we're not scoring touchdowns or home runs or anything like that. Now we're trying to bring people to Christ, to the church specifically, you know, Christ in the church. And that means I, I'm not going to be able to do anything for the people who are mentally ill on 8th Avenue. But I could drop off a meal. I could find something else. And it's it's not easy because we have a very, there's a certain way of living. And in a society like this, when we look back at it, maybe we read the Gospels and we look at maybe movies and TV shows that are representative of trying to represent uh, living at that time, it kind of seems like, okay, everybody's got this stone um, uh, home and uh, we don't see any rats uh, crawling around, uh, whatnot. Okay, well, we could always move to this area, that place, that's where the, the poor are. I mean, the church is it's so difficult to do that independently. That's why the church as an organization is so important and so helpful. You know, St. Vincent de Paul Society, all this stuff. So as much as we can go out into the world and live like Christ, so be Christ-like, be Christians, that's where it's at. And then that's the challenge. If you, if you have somebody who's only, if they've chosen only to have a personal faith, and I know people like this, you may too, but they're not going out. They're not in the world. They're not living that faith. Oh, that's no. A, that's a that, because yeah. it's not just believe. Christ is not telling us to believe. That's all you have to do is believe. I mean, that's what a lot of Protestants believe. Right? You just that that's their. Oh yeah, right? yeah. That's, yeah. Born, born again. Are you saved? You're done. Are you saved. And you're you're going to be. You you're going to heaven, yeah. right? Hey, listen. Yeah. I, so I want I want to get rid of a word you used because to me it it doesn't reflect what I was trying to say. The warm feeling of Christ comes to me through my toes, but the word cozy doesn't, okay? There's nothing cozy about my relationship with Christ. I want you to know that. Mm. It's, re- it's relieving, of course, that I feel his mercy and forgiveness, firstly. That's the warmth. It's also extremely relieving to know that I'm never alone in the fight. But what I do get from Christ is I become inspired to initiate, to go out the door and listen and, 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 and maybe initiate build, create, uh, but to be deliberate and to be intentional is what I mostly get when I walk out of that door of the adoration chapel. Now, why did you use the word fight? I just always feel like I got to fight. I always feel like... I always feel like I've got to get something done, and and it's... uh, That's like a fight is an enemy, and now... So no, the fray, the fray that that comes at us from the world, mm-hmm. you know, like the thirteenth apostle, like I uh, like the my buddy James, James the Greater, you know, went right into Jerusalem, you know, and right into the fray, you know, and uh, and I, I'm a bit of a fighter. You're a fighter, so yeah, I'm just we're in a fight. We're we're, we're made for this, and uh, quite frankly, I need to get back out the door, and start to rebuild again. You know, I talked about some initiatives, you know, before the uh, the microphone got turned on, and we'll talk about that again to our audience, but yeah, that's the fight. 
Yeah, just as a side note, we did talk a few weeks ago about uh, doing a pilgrimage, and you mm-hmm. know, with our respective schedules, it's very difficult to do that as a group. But we're going to work on that. Can I cut you off for a minute? Go. You just did one. Yeah, I did one. I, I think I, I know, the, but that, I think it's important that our audience knows what we talked about is that pilgrimages come in different packages. And yes, we're going to build a pilgrimage with other men or perhaps couples. True. It's where we build groups, but you, you kind of did a real good one this weekend. And I thought that was really, really inspiring that, uh, you spent some time in your own personal retreat, as you called it, but in the spirit of pilgrimages, it, it was a pilgrimage. Well, I'm smiling uh, for one reason. I went down the, this, I walked and uh, rode my bike all around all over Cape May, and uh, the first, I didn't even know this street, I didn't, I'd never been down this particular street close to Cape May Point, and throughout the street, it was just one beauty after, one God's beauty is creation, just the, the landscape and the gardening, all these different things, uh, just, everything was just beautiful, and it happened to be, it was a sunny day, it was very hot, but, and I got all the way to the end, and there was this, this circle, it was a big circle, maybe like the size of a football field, but picture is uh, in like a circle or an oval. And the whole thing was beautiful. There was a lake in the, in the middle of it, and so I went around, and at the other end uh, was a church. And I was all ready to go in there and have a, you know, a, a, a deeply spiritual moment. <laughs> and I grabbed the door handle, and it was locked. I couldn't get into the church. So I had a conversation with God right then and there. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, he, I don't think I was initially nice. Um, the fact that the door was locked, and I, I told my friend, our friend Jim, um, you know, about that, and, I, and he was, you know, he, right away I knew he was going this way. But you know, when we were growing up, the church was never locked. Yeah, and I, I said, yeah, Jim the whole thing about sanctuary, you could always come into the church uh, for sanctuary, and then mm. and then the the law couldn't get you, and others couldn't get you. So, uh, but uh, anyway, the the rest of it was uh, uh, was was good. You know, I think that when uh, the, in the article, uh, Kyle refers to JP2's encyclical Solicitudo Re Socialis in 1987, and he writes, The Lord unites us with himself through the Eucharist, sacrament and sacrifice. And he unites us with himself and with one another by a bond stronger than any natural union, which is very interesting, especially for uh, married couples. A bond stronger than any natural union. And he, thus united with God, he sends us into the whole world to bear witness through faith and works. Works. Right? And then at the end, he goes on and I bold and I put in bold our actions in the world. Our actions. So it's what we're doing. It's not this personal piety and it ends there. Uh, You know, unless you're homebound for some reason. But then what should happen is somebody from outside should go to you. They'll go to you. Which is what what I want us to do. Yeah, community, unity, communion. It's all wrapped around the same word, around the Eucharist. And that's where the inward and outward concept comes. Exactly. You nailed it. I mean, you you got to, uh, you know, I've mentioned this before many times, and it's in this article, the word concrete. Concrete is a Catholic word. It's like we're not Gnostics, you know, that G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. We're not people that just think, well, the body's terrible. Uh, we're only spirit. No, it, that's obviously, if, if you first time you feel pain, you know we're not just uh, spirits. The first time look, you feel look sadness. Look at the crucifix. Yeah. That, oh, look at that's the crucifix. Look his at the sadness. Crucifix. His sadness in the garden. You know, tears, right? So yeah. we're, we're, we're concrete. Body, mind, and soul. 
Yeah. You know, so I mean, if I you're mean, yeah. if you're only doing personal piety, there's no hope of evangelizing the community. You know, and if mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if we don't see God everywhere, the author says we're not going to see him in the wafer. And you know, I want to say we don't have a lot of time left, but you can wrap it up. I just want to say this: that heaven heaven isn't up there. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus tells us. At hand is not up there. At hand is here. I mean, the Eucharist is the merging of heaven and earth. Because we we only have the body of Christ. And I emphasize body. And it's on earth as it is in heaven because Mm -hmm. of the first Eucharist, Emmanuel. That's very poetic because the Eucharist goes right in our hand, too. Beautiful. Amen. Yep. All right. uh, What's coming up next there, brother? Uh, stay tuned, folks, for The Angelus, and following The Angelus is Your Prayer Intentions with Peter and Jemmy. How many times do you think you've said that, Dan? A lot. <laughs> Next time, we're going to sing it. Oh, we just going to have our biggest crowd. I know it. <laughs> all, all, all corners of the globe, even though the uh, globe has no corners, but uh, I love that anyway. Where people are have corners, so uh, that's where we're going. We're going to the people. Yeah. yeah, Amora heard me singing the other day. She said, you know, Dan, Tom is right. You do sing pretty well. And I said, don't you ever tell me Tom is right. Oh, t- first of all, Amora, well, she's already a saint, so by acclamation anyway, so... <laughs> 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 uh, but with that said, I... Uh, well, let's make it. Let's make an agreement. We made an agreement to do a pilgrimage. Uh, we'll make an agreement to do a uh, a hymn. All right. No, I'm not singing. Sometime in the next, you know, ten years. Okay, you gotta yeah, you gotta commit years. to that. Give me twenty years. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, this is WQPHRadio.org. The the great crew there, Marianne at the helm, Gene, James, Tom, all all those who help us uh, do this uh, wonderful program. This. This program that uh, God has blessed us with and blessed you, ladies and gentlemen, and friends out there. Support us, please. God bless you, Danny. Uh, God bless you, Tommy, and God bless you all. You are listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchberg. And now a word from author Peter and Jimmy, who is the host of Your Prayer Intentions, taking place every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Whether you're donating money or giving us prayers, without you, we don't go on. And if you do want to help us go on, please consider going to WQPHradio.org. There's a donate button there. You can give once, you can give monthly, and it makes a difference. It keeps all of our shows, and we have a great lineup of shows keeps us going and whether you're a fan of uh your prayer intentions whether you like steve's show benedict's hammer sundays at midnight whether you like brother matthew and brother anthony from from the housetops which is on sundays 10 30 a.m and 4 p.m whether you're a fan of the children's rosary which we have every day at 5 p.m seven days a week whether you like our local matter show which is saturday at 11 or talk catholic which comes right after us at 12.30. Larry's Music Up, Sunday at 11 a.m. We have the Shepherd's Pie, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Or Dan and Tom with the 13th Apostle, which comes just before us at 11.30. Any of those shows and all the stuff you donate, you help these things come out. But what also at the WQPH website, in addition to podcasts of our shows, is the prayer wall. Right on the prayer wall, support WQPH and get WQPH 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on WQPHradio.org. Thank you for listening to the 13th Apostle with Dan Duddy and Tom Caffrey. 
For more information on Dan, visit his website at www.danduddy.com or email dcduddy at gmail.com. Tom's website is faithpilgrims.com or email trcaffrey at faithpilgrims.com. How about you? Will you be the 13th Apostle?